What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 45 of the Gunslinger podcast. I'm your host, Nick Charles. As you can see, we have audio and video for this uh, new... Uh, an attempt, at least. We're not sure yeah, how it's going to go, right. but it's an attempt. A new, uh, a new beginning here at the Gunslinger podcast. So joined today by Mr. Craig Riley, and we are also streaming now on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, and hopefully soon be up on YouTube and TikTok. So hopefully we'll be posting some good content on there and look for... And maybe for... some bad content. You never know. I mean, exactly. we'll, we'll see what happens. And hopefully look for some tweets um, as we get into the NFL season. We're going to try to get that going as well. So um, not a lot to talk about today, but um, the NBA draft obviously happened on Thursday. I think uh, any surprise at number one? No, I mean, no surprise minus. I don't know if you saw the video circulating yesterday of when Bayama missing like eight shots in a row and people freaking out saying he can't shoot now. But uh, no, no surprise at one. I mean, he's a generational talent, so like, why wouldn't they take him? I think I did see that. He was like shooting for some fans or something. Yeah, um, just like he that... bricked them all. Like, wasn't even yeah. close. Like, it was just rim after rim. It was like honestly impressive he didn't make one. Not really surprised, I guess. Um, yeah, no. I mean, messing around, stuff like that. And then the picture circulated today of him with uh, David Robinson, Manu, uh, Tim Duncan. It looked like Bruce Bowen, and uh, he makes David Robinson look like a shrimp. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Jeez, 7'5". I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, yeah, so the Spurs definitely um, going in, in a different direction. Um, hopefully they can start winning some games. Um, how many years left do you think Popovich has? I think he's going to roll with Wimbayama for three or four years. I mean, at this point, you have to think if Wimbayama can make a, an impact right away and maybe they get a few other pieces, they have one good player already on their team. You never know. Um, so I think he'll kind of stick it out and see what happens. Uh, I think it, it'll be fun to see Popovich back in the spotlight a little bit as well for media sessions. So, uh, yeah. But we've talked about this at length. Uh, we have a little differing opinions on Wimbayama, but... I think it's going to take him a few years to get up to the speed of the NBA play regardless. Yeah, I think so. I mean, looking at like where this draft, let's, we need to start off by talking about the broadcast on Thursday of the NBA draft. I know we were texting about yeah. it. You were on, first of all, you were on ABC. You didn't even know that it was on yeah, ESPN YouTube as TV well. Yeah, did me dirty and didn't even tell yeah. me ESPN had a broadcast. And I'm on ABC, and they it, were like six picks behind. And I was like, what is happening right now? I know. I caught that early on. They said they were just doing, like, stories and stuff like that on ABC and ESPN was, like, the, like, up-to-minute coverage. But the biggest thing to me that stood out was all the proposed trades that Right. Like weren't going through, I guess. And you didn't really know like who was actually drafting. And like it even went back to like because the Celtics made their trade the day prior or I guess right. like the morning of. And um, even at pick 25, which they were supposed to now have from uh, Memphis or Washington, whoever it came from, it still said proposed to Boston. Like we didn't know if we actually even like had the pick. And then the multiple trades where they're like you're trading one pick in the second round for two picks or whatever. And it's like, you just have no idea who's picking where. Yeah. Like, how, how is it different how from the that? NFL? I, I don't know. Like why? I mean, I feel like the NBA does this weird thing where like things can't go through, but why do that 
after the the draft like why like the nfl does it before the draft where like things can start going through and like all the proposed trades can happen etc it was just super confusing because like we talked we had a research for 20 minutes what picks the celtics actually got and then yeah. it ended up being that they just got one which was a pick we didn't even know they had right so i don't know that was really weird the broadcast on abc was terrible um and like the espn broadcast was okay um, even though Jay Billis didn't look like he wanted to be there at all. I don't really know what was going on. But Reddick was good, like normal. Um, mm-hmm. I thought all the interviews with the players was a good idea, but poorly executed. Because she only yeah. had time for, like, two questions. And she wasted time on the parents as well as the kid. And, like, no offense to any of the parents, but, like, the fan bases don't care about the parents. They want to know right. about the kid and stuff like that. And so, I don't know. I thought that was a little weird as well. Yeah, I agree. It's like one question per player for some of them and it was just i don't know that i was actually looking the the audience like the attendance or like the viewership was up 23 percent from last year and i mean i'm assuming that's just because of one binyama but yeah i think well also i think the nba is gaining in popularity in the sense of like i think the off season people enjoy a lot even more than the regular season uh, plus, mm-hmm. it was a good playoffs. Um, people, you know, I think we're interested in that. But definitely a win by Yama draft, which is why probably people were on it. Yeah. Um, I know at pick two, I think we were both kind of on the side that the Hornets should have took Scoot. But we felt that they were going to take Brandon Miller. They did right. take Brandon Miller. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that pick at all. And they had Brandon Miller on um, – WFNZ, the Charlotte sports radio here the morning after the draft. And he was still, still throwing digs at Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, I, don't, which, I don't really know what his plan is with that. I mean, I guess he's selling the team, so it doesn't matter, but I think either way, that's not a good idea. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. That was very strange. Um, and then, you know, Scoot goes three to Portland, which I, I think they had to take him, but it's like, why are they not trying to trade that? Or like, I mean, I don't see how Scoot, Sharp, Simmons, and Lillard are all on the trailblazers. Well, I think I think at this point, either Lillard's getting traded in the next like few weeks, or he's getting traded at the deadline. Like, I don't think there's like there's no way he makes it through on the Blazers the rest of the year, right? Like that doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense. Scoot, like I think, is a good pick there because he's going to replace Lillard. I just didn't really get like if you're going to do that. I mean, I guess Scoot's like a good player that you don't want to trade back, but it was just kind of a weird idea because like if you don't trade Lillard now, I feel like you lose a lot of like your ability to get something high for him. Why wouldn't you trade mm-hmm. Lillard for the draft? Yeah, no, I agree. And like you said, if they try to trade him at the deadline and Portland's like the sixth or seventh seed in the West or something, right? Why, they're probably not going to trade him, you know? Well, so I, mean, it's I, like, I would. I mean, that's. A, I thought that was a weird trade. I thought it was the right pick because he was the second best player in the draft. It was just like a weird. I thought they were going to trade back, and mm-hmm. I for sure didn't think. I don't know. It was odd. The Brandon Miller pick was odd. Uh, it didn't even seem like he was like that excited to to be even going there. Yeah. Maybe he was doing it to get away from Charlotte. I don't know, but mm-hmm. kind of a weird like picks afterwards. I would have flip flopped those. I think it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, definitely. Um... Then, the, you know, the Thompson twins went four and five. I don't really know anything about either of them. Um, they yeah, look- I, got, I got to start apparently watching Overtime Elite and some of these G League things to know some of these players, which I think is kind of weird. Um, yeah. It seemed like Eamon was the better player, and the other mm-hmm. one was more of a defensive guy, which I don't know why he would go at five. 
but it mm-hmm. seems like they're both athletic freaks, which makes sense at that point then. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of names like at the top, like that, I mean, I recognize, but I'm not like that familiar with like Anthony Black, this right. dude from France. I don't really know anything about um, Walker from Houston. Um, I mean, I remember seeing him just because, you know, Houston's made some deep runs in the tournament, but like Taylor Hendricks, Kason Wallace, um, I don't know, just some, I just really random picks. Like they talked about, um, who was it? The three, three of the best players in college basketball this past year. Um, Timmy, Sadova, yeah, all of them did yeah, get drafted, right? Yeah, the UConn Center, the Gonzaga Center, and the Kentucky Center all went undrafted, which I, I just don't makes think they no fit. Sense. They just don't fit the NBA style. I mean, I think that all of them will probably carve out a role at some point because I think at the end of the day, like veteran leadership and like talent, like draft. But it's the same thing. Like people didn't think Draymond was going to fit either, and Draymond's obviously figured out a way to fit. People thought the same thing about Hansborough, like. I think eventually mm-hmm. they'll find their way into the league, but the NBA draft is very odd because there's only two rounds. And so people basically just draft upside and then we're like, yeah. okay, we'll sign undrafted people later on who probably will make more, more of an impact immediately. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely get that, but like, I'm just looking at like the tail end of the second round, you have this dude from Furman who got right. drafted. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. And a lot of these names that like, I remember we were texting like Jalen Wilson went 51, like how he was still available that late. Cause he, I mean, it's just such a dynamic scorer at Kansas. Well, um, even like Nick Smith jr. Going 27 to Charlotte. Like I felt like he was like yeah. a mid round first round pick. And then he gets at the end of the, I mean, that was a great pick by Charlotte. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's some super weird ones. I think it's hard because like, unlike college football where like the best players are playing on the big stages, college basketball, like it's hard for people to keep track of where all the best players are because not all of them are in college basketball. Some are overseas. Sometimes they're in the G league. So it's like a lot of these guys, we might see like, Oh, Drew Timmy's really good, but if he doesn't fit the NBA and a guy from France does, they're going to take the guy from France. Right. For sure. Definitely weird. Um, and like, I think, a lot of surprises too, like uh, I guess Derek Whitehead is his name. Right. Um, I thought he was going to go way sooner. I mean, he was like the number one kid coming out of um, high school, or in, I think number one in his class or something. Right. Drops all the way to twenty-two. Um, I thought Cam Whitmore went super late. Like, I mean, twenty. Yeah. I thought the Rockets probably had the best draft in my opinion because of how athletic they're going to be, especially mm-hmm. with the team they already have. And they have the new coach, obviously. So that right. I mean, Cam Whitmore to me, when he's healthy, was like one of the best players in the college basketball. So I thought that was a really good pick at twenty. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Chris Murray. I mean, I think he went pretty late. Um, Keegan Murray's brother, obviously, from Iowa. But yeah, I mean, just some other random like Ben Shepard, Belmont first round pick just seems really weird. Um, I don't know. Just overall, I think the NBA draft is just a weird concept and like well and then like you know grady dick goes 13 to the raptors right but like grady dick is for i mean in my opinion just going to be a spot-up shooter for the most part like i don't really see him like doing a whole lot more in the nba like i don't know if he's athletic enough to do that and on the raptors what's he going to do like you know i mean it's kind of like a weird pick because like spot-up shooters don't normally just like take off on bad teams Mm -hmm. Uh, he does get the award for best and worst dressed of the night for sure. Uh, you know, he set the internet a buzz with that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, he's a good player. I just like, 
you know, how much is he going to impact a Toronto team that's going through a full rebuild? You know, kind of a weird pick. Yeah, I thought another a good pick for Miami, but way too early was Jaime Hawkes Jr. from UCLA. Like he was mocked in a lot of drafts. I saw in like the late 30s, early 40s, and he goes 18 to Miami. Like I like him as a player, but just for his skill set translating to the NBA, I don't see it. Um, I think like personality fit, it's good. And like for the culture, it's good. But I just don't know. Like some of the names that go after him, just, I mean, that, that I, th- was I think it's surprise. purely a, a pick to try to get back to the championship, right? I think they noticed that they were lacking in certain like front court depth. And he's someone that they know can immediately come in and contribute um, mm-hmm. because I think they're trying to shed that Duncan Robinson contract, if I had to assume. Uh, yeah. And someone's going to take it because someone in the NBA always does. So, mm-hmm. but definitely I agree with you. It was a weird pick in terms of that. There were some other people that like, I thought could have helped them more probably down the line, but they're going for yeah. a win now, which, you know, maybe they're trying to get Lillard. I mean, that's kind of what we're all thinking they're trying to do. So that would make more sense. If they get Lillard, it makes more, the pick makes more sense because at that point you're going for a championship. So you're in win now mentality. Right. For sure. Um, I don't know. Just, I mean, we talked about all the names that slipped and, you know, the undrafted players, but like, it's like even like Isaiah Wong, who went at 55 to, uh, who's that? The Pacers. Right. I mean, I thought he was one of the best players in basketball the last like couple of years. And for him to drop that far, maybe because he was a, se- I think he was a senior or like a retro junior at Miami. So maybe that's why he dropped. Um, right. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, like I said, just really weird. Um, and well, again, then like looking at the Celtics, right? Like you could have taken Sasser at twenty-five. Yeah, which we thought we did, and we were super stoked. Right, and then you don't, and then you take Jordan Walsh at thirty-eight, and they play the same position. And it's like so you're specifically going for a defensive guy, which is fine. But isn't Sasser going to help you more, like long term? Yeah, I don't know. Super weird. That was kind of a weird pick. Um, I really thought that the like for what they had, I thought the Nets had a really good draft. Like you said, I think Tariq Whitehead was a really good pick. Jalen Wilson at fifty one to me is a steal. Like to me, mm-hmm. like what's the difference between RJ Barrett and Jalen Wilson based on how they played in college? Like, there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. different, right? Right. The only difference is maybe Barrett's like a better athlete, but I don't know. Jalen Wilson looked like plenty of a good athlete, and Noah Clowney yeah. was a good pick as well. So like, if you pair them with you know Dinwiddie and a few of their other players, you know, that they got from the Mavs, basically, they're going to have a pretty good, like, rotation of six or seven players. Yeah, I think if they can keep um, Bridges, right, that's going to be key. Because, I mean, I saw some metric yesterday. He was he averaged, like, 26 points a game once he got traded, which is, I mean, that's really good for a guy that, you know, you definitely didn't expect that from at all. And right, um, just he was just kind of playing, like, third fiddle, I guess, and, Phoenix for a while and then just kind of blew up. So, I mean, props to him. But yeah, I mean, I think the Nets, they could definitely build a, a strong core here um, over the next few years. Yeah. Um, I thought another team that did really good was the Mavs because they shed the Bertans contract, which was like insane. They mm-hmm. got their guy who they wanted in Derek Lively to help their front court and they replaced. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith with Oliver uh, Maxine's Prosper because they're basically the same defensive player in theory. So yeah. I thought they basically fixed all the mistakes they made with the Kyrie trade in terms of what they lost, and they also shed a contract. So now when you kind of go back and look at the Kyrie trade, I think it looks even better for the Mavs than it did before. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think a lot of, and I think a lot of the players that were drafted are going to have immediate impacts on a lot of the teams. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I feel like a lot of the time it's like most of the rookies just kind of go like under the radar and you get like one or two guys that really sh- sh- like stand out. But I think, I think a good amount of these guys are going to carve into some good roles here um, early on in the summer league starting like next week. I think we'll get a good taste of that early. Yeah. Um, when Bayama playing right away, I know there was some like, debate on that. I think he wanted to, I heard him versus Brandon Miller is supposed to be like the first game. I think um, should be fun. I'm interested to see where they play him. Like do you play him at the four because he shoots or do you just play him at the five because he's seven, four or the point guard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's the question, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I don't know where you play him. Like in theory, you could play him at the three, I guess. I mean, I think pop will move him around all over the place. Just to but, like, could you imagine him trying people. to defend Jokic? No. I mean, he's going to – I mean, anytime – the problem is with, if you put him at center, he's just going to get bodied inside. Right, but if so. you play him at the four, he's also going to get bodied. So do you play him at the three, and then he has to try to stay, stick with Jason Tatum? Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, even if he loses a step, he's got a, what, eight-something-foot wingspan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a good problem to have. It's just kind of an interesting, like it, – it'll be interesting to see how Pop will do it, like how he's going to – um, I also thought it was interesting that Popovich and them took another Frenchman in mm. Sissoko after. And I wonder if that was a way to kind of like just have another one in the locker room. They love foreign players anyway. Like that's always been their like strategy. But it was kind of interesting they did that. Yeah. I mean, Popovich just likes to mess around. And like you said, getting him back in the media will be will be oh, fun because we, we pretty much had to go an entire year without it, I feel like, or at least a couple of years. Um, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll get Kawhi back and we'll have a, we'll have a reunion. <laughs> Kawhi, Jesus. Um, all right. So obviously some, the big news I kind of, I mean, as Celtics fans, and I think is a lot of surprise, a lot of NBA fans was the, the Porzingis trade, which started out, originally i guess the day or the two days before the draft which it was supposed to be brogdon for porzingis and like i think gallinari and them were supposed to be sprinkled in but then the clippers backed out at the last minute because of brogdon's injury um and then you know it obviously turns into smart and it's just like you kind of wake up thursday morning and you're like what the hell just happened and like the immediate reaction was like this that they the Celtics didn't just get rid of Marcus Smart, who's been with the team for, like, what, nine years? They've made the playoffs every year. Um, heart and soul of the team, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a hard, like, pill to swallow, I think, early on in the morning. But, like, the more I thought about it and the more, like, you know, people talked about it, it was, like, it made sense, um, I think, for what the Celtics did. It's hard to lose a player like Smart, for sure. But um, what what's your reaction on that? Well, uh, real quick, I think the Wizards did what the Wizards had to do and just basically trading away all contracts and just mm. getting back pieces that they're going to eventually trade or whatnot. So I think that was good for them. Yep. Apparently, the Grizzlies have wanted Marcus Smart for the past three off seasons, and we just haven't been willing to part with him. Uh, makes more sense now with the Morant. But what I've been reading and what the analysts have been saying is that Smart and Morant want to play together, like at, on the floor at the same time. And if you think about it, Smart is just a better version of Dylan Brooks. So I yeah. think it makes sense that they wanted to pair them together. Also, mm-hmm. I think Smart will defend Morant 
in a better way, like in terms of like if someone comes at them or something like that, Smart's going to be a little bit better about taking like Smart fouls and stuff like that to like help yep. Moran. For the Celtics, right? I mean, I you know people who know me, obviously, I've told you I'm not a huge fan of Kristaps Porzingis. I think he ruined the Mavericks when he was here. There's you weren't a big fan of Smart though either. Though. Not at the end of the last postseason because Smart decided he didn't want to defend anymore and he didn't know how to uh, per, you know do a screen and roll and decided he was going to help. And uh, leave uh, Struess open. Yeah. I don't know what that was about. But uh, Porzingis is obviously a better player than Smart. Like, there's no like doubt about that. He's the better. It was a good trade for the Celtics. The question is going to be in the postseason: How is the rotation going to be? Do Porzingis and Horford play at the same time? Do you rotate them? Where does Robert Williams fit into this? I think that it can work. I'm just worried about pick and rolls in the postseason with Porzingis and Horford because that's what he's really struggled with is defending on the perimeter. And I felt like that's why we lost the Miami series. Mm-hmm. But no, I, yeah. on that point, we had too many guards. So we had to get rid of one of them. Like that, that was, you know, definitely clear to everyone. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I know if Brogdon can get back, I guess, to what he was this past year, like if he can just get healthy, I mean, you know what you're getting out of him. And I think that's important. And I think what, the Celtics saw from Derek White, who was arguably their most consistent player in the postseason, I felt like this past year. Right. Like and he's a better facilitator out. than Smart, I think. I think he makes I think Smart tries to do too much flashy stuff and gets away oh, with you it mean sometimes. behind the back pounce pass. Which some yeah. when they work they're sick. Yeah. And I think White kind of like like learns from stuff that he makes a mistake at, and maybe that's you know partially what Popovich saw in him when he you know went to the Spurs originally. But um, I have no problem with White. I guess if he starts, I wish they still had like an actual point guard. But like you said, too many guards. White. Um, they have so you, Pritchard still, Brogdon. Right. So you would project the starting lineup to be White, Brown, Tatum, Przingis, Robert Williams, with Horford coming off the bench, or do you think they would start Przingis and a Horford? Um, I think it's going to be Porzingis and Horford. I think I wish Horford would come off the bench, but I don't think they'll make him. But I mean, I don't know. He he definitely wasn't himself either. Yeah, he was hurt. And like, don't get me wrong. In in a game against the Sixers, he shuts down Embiid. Like he's a good defender. He just can't guard pick and rolls like that against a team like Miami. But if, like, we never faced Miami, I think we beat everyone else in the postseason. So it's hard to, like, you're not blaming just one person, right, or anything like mm-hmm. that. The key is going to be, can Porzingis be the third fiddle? Right. That's going to be the key. And he's, I think he's a bad second fiddle based on what he did in Dallas. Um, I think in Washington, he basically was the first fiddle because Beal just kind of is Bradley Beal and just kind of, like, just shoots a bunch and doesn't really do anything else. So Porzingis right. probably was the main person. But here he's clearly the third. And it's not it's yeah. close. No, and I think also a, um, another reason I think the Celtics traded for Przingis was because there's been a lot of talk like about Jalen Brown being with the Celtics long term. And like as much as I, you know, want Tatum to stay, it would not surprise me one bit if Tatum wanted to go team up with, you know, someone else down the road in the future. Like I just feel like he's that kind of a player. Well, they one of them could go back to go to Houston. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, it, if you lose one of them and you only, like, your next best player is Derek White, 
you're not going to win. But like if you lose one of them and your next best player is Porzingis, I feel like you have a little bit of a better opportunity to build around that and win. So, right. Yeah. It, I mean, it definitely sucks hundred percent, but like, you know, we talked about yesterday when you get in the postseason, you need a seven or eight man rotation. And if you take the starting five and then you throw in Brogdon, who's hopefully healthy. Um, and then Rob, Robert Rob Williams, Williams. Williams, basically. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe Hauser. Yeah. I mean, so I think I don't have an issue with it. Um, you know, the more I look at it and, you know, another reason I thought too was um, Brad Stevens has been the GM for what two two years now, and right. we went to the we went to the finals with a rookie coach the first year, and then with all the crap they had to deal with this past year, they t- went to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, and in that time they added Gallinari, they added Brogdon, now they've added Porzingis, so it's like just kind of wait and see, I guess, take that approach and. Yeah, we'll see see where they stand in May, I guess, next year. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's gonna. There's a lot more things that need to be fleshed out, like where does Lillard go and where does Kyrie yeah. go? Because if they both go to the East, I mean, the whole East is stacked already, so like that's just gonna make it even harder, right? Well, like let's say Lillard stays in the West and Kyrie stays on the Mavs, then at that point you're like, well, the Celtics have to be the favorite. They have three potential All Stars on their team. And if Middleton does leave Milwaukee, which it looks like he's going to, I know he opted out, but we're not sure if he's actually leaving, leaving yet. Um, Giannis isn't going to do it by himself. And Brooke Lopez is a free agent. So they could be retooling as well. What is a little scary is if Lillard goes to Milwaukee and they re-sign Brooke Lopez, I actually think that's an upgrade over Middleton. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Middleton can't stay healthy either. So, I mean, there's that problem, but... Uh, the Celtics are actually tied with Denver right now as the favorites to win it all next year. At their plus four seventy five, I think. I think Denver ha- is, should be the favorite by themselves just because they're returning all five starters, and they drafted three guys in the draft that should all be immediate impact players. They still have Braun, and they're going to lose Bruce Bowen, but like, I don't know. They, to me, like until someone beats them, they have to be the favorite. Bruce Brown. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Brown. Brown. Yeah, Bruce Brown. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I think that that the Celtics have to be up there, but to me, the Nuggets yeah. are still my favorite. Well, and I, the Suns. I don't know what the Suns are going to be, but yeah, I mean, if they can fill out a bench, maybe, yeah. But I also I saw the Celtics were t- um, they took calls on Jordan Poole um, before they made the Porzingis deal. So, I mean, I'm much happier with Porzingis. I think than Jordan Poole. Because I can't imagine where would Poole, we have played him. He would have been the point, but I can't imagine him, Brown, and Tatum all trying to get uh, shots. J- Jalen Brown would have been the point. He would have brought up the ball, dribbled the whole time. Uh, you know, but thank no. I mean, is Jordan Poole going to lead the NBA in scoring on the Wizards? I honestly would love. I would love the the odds on that because, I mean, it's just going to be Tyus Jones or Trey Jones, whoever that whoever they got in the trade. Jones, yeah, it's just going to be feeding him the ball. The entire well, time. like, let's say Gallinari comes back. He's easily a starter on that team, but Gallinari's not going to average more than 12. So, no. I mean, how many shots is Poole going to get? 40. It's going to be great. It's going to be like watching 2K where you try to, like, do a game and, like, you know, just see one player win it all. Like, it's going to be actually fun to watch to see how many points Jordan Poole can score <laughs> in a game. Um, I guess another big trade that we haven't talked about yet is the Chris Paul. 
oh, going yeah. to, which I still don't get because he was released by the Suns, but then I guess they signed and traded him to Golden State. Right. I don't know. I never really understood the whole sign and trade thing either because um, I, that's come up multiple times where I see the NBA makes it up as they go. Yeah, for sure. And whatever Adam Silver wants um, is what he'll get. So um, Chris Paul going to the Warriors is, I don't know. And you got to think like you're going to be starting two guys that are legit point guards are going right. to be your starting backcourt. And you're basically just moving everybody up. So you're moving Clay up. And then, what, Wiggins is going to play the four and if so they re-sign Draymond? He's the I five. actually think Clay could come off the bench. Ooh. And that's where are I... You gonna, are you going to tell him that? Well, I mean, hopefully Steve Kerr's going to... Or Mike Dunleavy, you know? He, that's first, he wants first. a max contract. There's no I way know, he's going to yeah. do that. Well, they gave Poole a max contract and then let him sit the bench. Yeah, but he didn't care. He was a savage. <laughs> For sure. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, because, like, do you have Paul come off the bench? No, I think you have to start them. So you're starting Draymond at the five? Well, I mean, if they re-sign Draymond, he's technically declined his player option. But right. I think it was so they could get Chris Paul there. And maybe Draymond... So you're starting Wiggins at the four and then starting a center at the five? I guess. I don't... Small I mean, lineup in NBA maybe, history? You could bring Wiggins off the bench, I guess, technically, and then just still start Draymond and... Uh, so make Wiggins do the Iguodala role from now on? Like, basically come off the bench and just maintain the second unit. Yeah. They just got to find him, his Sean Livingston partner to go with. Well, I mean, that, those, those are two, two and far between for sure. But I don't know. It was a weird trade because also, you know, Chris Paul, easily a great player. But at this point, you have to imagine he's kind of just cursed, right? Yeah. he's. Not, I don't think he's going to win one. There, I mean, you look at some of the teams he's been on. But it's also like Steph creates his own shot. He doesn't need Chris Paul to create his shot. That's what I I don't – I think Chris Paul might take a lot of threes next year, which might benefit him because I feel like when he he does shoot, he's very successful. We just don't see him shoot that much because he's always been the facilitator in every team he's been on. But, um, I mean, you got to think how much attention Curry's going to obviously attract, Clay's going to attract, so – I mean, Paul's probably never going to have had these open looks. It's going to be like when they had Durant. I mean, not the same, but like very similar. Minus Durant played the three. Yeah. And now they just have basically three guards that are basically all going to have to play over 30 minutes a game. They, they probably have Jay Wright coming in to be the assistant. They're going to have the four guard offense. I mean, it sounds like they're really offense. playing Villanova. Villanova style, which can work. I mean, if they if they hit a bunch of threes, like let's say you're right, and Chris Paul's making threes, like let's say at like 38%, I mean, they're going to be pretty hard to beat. And the mm. thing with Wiggins is Wiggins can for sure guard most fours. Yeah. The question is going to be, I don't, again, looking in Denver – Who's stopping Jokic on that team? I guess no one can stop Jokic, so that's probably like... But, like, Aaron Gordon, like, he's going to eat Wiggins alive in the post. Yeah. Or Porter. I thought Porter... They'll probably, sign, they'll probably sign Grant Williams, and they're just going to be the smallest team in the league and just try to body everyone and shoot threes. I mean, they're, they'll still be fun to watch, so... Well, they, um, well, I'll tell you this. I think Paul and Steph on the same team will be highly entertaining from an assist standpoint because they will mm-hmm. make some unbelievable plays together. The question is going to be either Clay's going to average like 25 a game because he's just 
wide open all the time, or Clay's going to have like the worst year of his career because like yeah. everyone's just guarding him because they just don't want to mess with Stefan, you know, right. Paul. But I don't know. It's a super weird trade. But also, I could see them like maybe switching it up, having Paul maybe come off the bench a few times. You know, though I don't think Kerr's just going to like okay, this is the starting lineup. I think he'll switch it up a lot. Yeah, I agree, and I think. I think the main reason they wanted to get rid of pool and to do that, they, I mean, the money had to be equal coming back. So it was like, I mean, yeah, Chris Paul is probably making way too much at this stage in his career, but the money had to be coming back. Um, who who would you say has the better chance of winning though? The Suns with Beal or the Warriors with Paul? If everyone's healthy. I still, I, I'm not a believer in the Sun. They had, they have no bench. Right. They have like five players under contract, I think, and they're trying to get rid of one of them right now in a trade. So I don't know. I mean, also, who plays the? I mean, we're talking about that the Warriors have too many point guards. Who's playing points on the Suns? Booker. I feel like it's going to have to be Beal almost. I feel like he's a better facilitator than than Booker. I mean, honestly, but, you could probably just have to ramp play point. I mean, that's, I don't know. And then you also look at the coach. So they, the Suns, they brought uh, Vogel on, right? Right. I, I've never been a big fan of his, so. He, he is the mastermind of winning a, a championship in his first season, though. That's true. Um, I'm also reading now that the Suns are trying to get Tobias Harris um, from the Sixers, but I heard what the would Sixers. They give up? Well, I also heard the Sixers asking price is through the roof. They want like two starters and like a, at least one or two first round picks. Well, the Suns don't have any starters so, given unless they give Aiton. But even if you they, gave Aiton, what were you going to put to rent they, up for? They have the Suns. The Suns don't control their any any of their draft picks until 2031. Not a first round or second round pick till 2031. Do they control? Well, so, I, mean, I guess that's why they went all in, right? Because what else are you going to do at that point? I mean, if I guess. Yeah. They got to um, win, though. You know, and one thing I wanted to bring up just for a little fun is because obviously we were kind of making fun of Brandon Miller for saying MJ is not the GOAT because that's like mm. this ridiculous. But now that brings up the interesting question where he says Paul George is his GOAT, which mm-hmm. I don't get at all. But anyway, because of that question – We'll just kind of who would be your top three that you say are in the goat discussion, and is Paul George even in the top fifty of that discussion? He's not even in the top. I could probably name you like fifty players in the league currently that I would like better than him. Right, like it's ridiculous. Like if you're gonna say like goat, like obviously like MJ, LeBron, Kobe, Bill Russell. You, I mean, I'm not gonna get into it because you, it's all relative to what you think is the goat, right? Like, yeah. The championship, it's Bill. If it's you know. Basically, prestige, it's MJ. If it's overall ability, it's probably LeBron. You honestly could probably throw Steph in there in a few years if he keeps at this rate. But, like, and if Jokic keeps playing at this, we're going to have to throw him at Duncan and Dirk and stuff like that. But the Paul George thing was, like, I think he must have been trolling. I don't know. He They replayed the interview on the radio, and it it sounded like he had just watched Paul George the most like growing up, so he, like he was his goat because he'd seen him the most. But it's like, but his play style doesn't he, even match Paul George. Like the way yeah. he plays is much more like Durant because he like yeah. likes to pull up from the like from the mid range. Mm-hmm. Like don't get me wrong, Paul George is an amazing player. Like he is obviously an all star, but like he's not even he's never even been a top ten player in the in the league in his generation. He 
he was a better player with the, the Pacers than he's been since he left. Right, but that's because so, he's the best player on a team that didn't have any other great players. Like, now that he's been with yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi's better than him. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I think when he was with in Indiana, when he got there, Danny Granger was definitely True. much better. But he overtook him pretty quickly, I think. But, like, I mean, we had this talk, like, is Paul George even going to make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, at that point, like, you are talking about Chris Paul. Is Chris Paul going to make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he'll make it. Just because of his assists? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, his assists and, I mean, just consistency. I mean, he's been doing it for But, like, to me, ever. like, Paul George and Blake Griffin would have a similar case to make the, hall, make the Hall of Fame. I think Paul George has done it longer, but, like, Blake Griffin was more dominant when Blake Griffin was better. Yeah, I don't think but, either one of them will, will make it. Right, I don't think so either. But, I don't know, it's a super, it was just an interesting, like, I couldn't believe he said it. And then yeah. he's doubled down on it like three times. So at this point, I think he's just going down with the ship. Yeah, he doesn't have a choice. I mean, he's, but, I mean, you know, he can't go back on it now. He's just got to keep giving MJ the just keep going back MJ and forth doesn't with sell him. the team. He's he's not even selling the team. He's selling his majority stake in the team. Right. He's still going to have a stake in the Hornet. So like, he's still going to be around. I'll still take MJ one-on-one over Brandon Miller. If you're, if oh you're yeah. Same. That question. So, I mean, like, but yeah, crazy. Like, I mean, if he had said any, like if he had said Kobe or if he had said, you know, I don't even know, like LeBron or, I mean, even if he had said like Tim Duncan, like it would have made a little bit yeah. more sense, but like Paul, there's Jordan, a lot, a lot know. of other names he could have said for sure. Um, but yeah, so NBA, I mean, that'll be here before we know it. It's, uh, what October it starts so we'll be getting back into that here soon but um just transition over here a little bit to I know you wanted to, to touch on the Travis Kelsey and Jamar Chase yeah I love, uh, I love beef, everything about it beef um so basically from my understanding is they were asking Jamar Chase who he thought the goat was and he said Burrow and then right. a reporter was like what about Pat and Jamar Chase said Pat who Right. And is that basically now Travis Kelsey's pissed? Yeah, basically saying, like, don't call out the quarterback. But I think Pat put something on Instagram being like, like, Pat, who with all of his, like, Super Bowl rings and MVP mm. trophies around him. So I think, like, I, I honestly think it's more just fun. Like, I think both all of them are kind of just playing a little bit. Now, I do think, based on his podcast, I think Travis Kelsey was a little, like, perturbed. But the, the funny thing is, is, like, it's not like any of them can do anything about it. They don't play against each other in a sense of like offense and defense. So right. it's more just, and like, if you're Jamar Chase, like why wouldn't you back up your quarterback? Like, are you wrong? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like Patrick's better than Burrow, but like, yeah. it's not like that far fetched either. So it's like, he's backing up his quarterback. It's also his friend from college. Like he's not going to like not say that, but I love it. I think it's awesome. Like for the discourse going into the season. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, like he, any, any receiver is going to say that, like receivers on the Patriots would say that about Mac. Like uh, they would I, say I it in a different, well, they would say it in a yeah. different a different way. But they right. like you're not gonna throw the guy under the bus who throws you the ball who gets you paid. So it's like, I mean, you know, Jamar Chase doesn't want T Higgins to be having some monster year, you know, and that Chase is you know gonna get shorted on some money when he's due in a couple of years. But right. um, yeah, I mean that'll I'm, I hope I don't even know I haven't you know, studied the schedule that much, but I hope the Bengals and the Chiefs are at it again this year. 
Yeah. Those are always good games. I just thought that was super funny. I was, um, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was pretty good from him. Um, it looks like uh, they play each other in week 17 um, in Arrowhead. So I can only imagine Jamar's going to get a nice ovation from the Arrowhead faithful. Um, For sure. On that game. And at the same time, at this point, you have to think Cincinnati and uh, KC are the favorites in the AFC. So that prop, that game's probably going to mean a lot come that come that game that was the thing i wanted to touch on so like everyone's been talking about like who's going to go back to the super bowl like who has a better chance to like go back like chiefs or eagles and like everyone's like well like the eagles like they are like that no one's won that division two years in a row bloody bloody blah and then somebody else comes on and they're like look at the amount of like stacked teams in the afc like yeah patrick mahomes is the best quarterback in the league by like pretty much by a long shot in my opinion and i hate to say it but like he is and but like the amount of like super teams in the afc this year is just absurd like absurd yeah no it is but you could also look at it that for the patriots 20-year dynasty it was all afc heavy as well and brady made it out like every other year i mean it was just him and manning well, but it was Roethlisberger, it was yeah. Rivers, it was, you know what I mean? Like, it, the Jets had a few good teams with Revis Island. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think yeah. it's hard because the one thing I'll say about the Eagles is that their roster makeup, they should absolutely win their division again, and they probably should at least get pretty far into the playoffs. The The key with them is going to be they lost a lot of people on their coaching staff, like you've touched on in previous episodes. So that's going to be the bigger task, I think, for them. I also just think this whole Darius Slay Patricia thing is really odd that they would even team them up again, considering like how bad that went. But you know, the yeah. professionals will probably get over it. I think with the Chiefs, you have to say the Chiefs have the edge because of Mahomes, and that's not to say that the AFC is, isn't more stacked. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. But even when you look at their like, okay, you look at their schedule. They get to play the NFC North this year, so they get Lions, Bears, Packers, Vikings. That's probably four wins. Right there. I don't mm-hmm. see any beating them. Maybe Minnesota in Minnesota. Um, and then, you know, they get the Jags. You know, then they have to face their division, which isn't going to be easy. And then they get the AFC East, which is actually pretty hard. But mm-hmm. you're not going to pick anyone in the AFC East to beat them, maybe except the Bills. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. And I, I just like, I'm, I guess overall, like the AFC East, North, and West. I think you could argue that those three divisions, all four teams could be 500, or I guess over, you'd have to be over 500 now. So over 500 when the year. All of them should win seven games or more, I would say. Like, obviously, yeah, like the lower ones you're thinking, like the Patriots would be borderline um, in in Denver. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I, I think the Chargers could be in trouble because I think Staley, if he doesn't perform well at the beginning could get fired pretty early in the season. Like, I don't think he's going to have that big of a leash. Well, like when he's gambling on like, you know, going for two point yeah. conversions well, to win that, games. That he has that apparently is like foolproof. But, I mean, we've talked about this before, but like the going for it and the analytics is great. But at the same time, you have to look at what you have. Like if yeah. it's fourth and two <clears throat> and it's a running down, you don't have a running back. You have a receiver that plays running back. So like, yeah. you have to throw the ball. And, like, that just isn't, like, yeah, with Mahomes, I'll go for a fourth and two every time. I think he's literally going to get it nine mm. times out of ten. But Herbert hasn't proven that. So, sure, yeah. the analytics might tell you to go for it, but 
that doesn't mean you should. I don't the know. The players aren't telling you that. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, and you know what? That's like one thing. Like people give Harbaugh a lot of crap for the you know asking Lamar what he wants to do, but like at least he's asking him. Like yeah. he's not just going off a sheet. They're going off the feeling of like now a player is always going to say let's go for it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that more than just be like, oh, my sheet says to go for it here. It's forty two yeah. on my own thirty. What for sure? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, what was it? Twenty four nothing in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Below that game. I think you're right. I think he could be on a short leash. I don't know if they'll fire him mid-season, um, but I could definitely see it coming. If well, they have I, another, I think there's a lot of veteran level. coaches out there that would take the job, right? Like, you could have Lovey Smith come in. You could have, like, Ron Rivera come in. You could have a bunch of people come in and, like, help them out immediately. Or you have someone, I don't know. Very Isn't Ron weird. Rivera coaching the commanders, though? Oh, yeah, he didn't leave. I thought he was actually going to leave. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Super interesting, but... We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. No, I agree, though. I think – I mean, I'm not a big fan of him at all, so I wouldn't care if he left. But um, I know a lot of – this was making, like, big headlines that the assault charge um, against Devontae Adams was dropped. And right. I didn't even really remember it being that big of a deal other than he – you know, he shoved that camera guy out of the way um, after that loss to the Chiefs, I think, last year. But, I mean, everyone was making it a big deal. Um that those charges got dropped. I mean, I guess it's obviously good for him, but I'm sure there was, you know, some mutual understanding of transfer of money from one that, party to the other. Yeah, that, that's why with these assault charges, like while they're important and you have to like look at them if, as a fan perspective or like what's going to happen, you just got to wait and see how it all plays out. Like rushing to judgment at this point, there's just too many of them to do it. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it seems like they figured it out, whether money was involved or basically the guy had no case. We'll probably never know, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Hopkins still has not met with anybody since he left New England. And actually trying to say Dalvin Cook to go to the Patriots on his uh, on his podcast. So I'm all about that. I did just see Dalvin Cook liked a tweet that said, Dalvin Cook, you're a Patriot. So that'd be pretty interesting if the Patriots could land cook at least one of them i mean crap they got both of them if they if the patriots were able to get cook and hopkins you think it puts them as a legitimate contender in the afc yeah i think so i mean it depends on how mac plays but i think Mm. you would but the problem is like i mean i think you would put them above the jets do you put them above the dolphins i don't know i think the dolphins made a lot of really good offseason moves this year um, mm-hmm. And then the Bills are literally, I think no one really knows what to think of them. Like, they're going to be good again, but are they going to be, you know, they're kind of due for a down year maybe of like, you know, not having as good of a regular season. The AFC yeah. East is completely stacked regardless if we get Hopkins or Cook. But if we get them, you have to think we, you know, the Patriots have a good shot. Yeah, I agree. I'm um, second in the AFC East. One more thing. The Bills extended um, Bean and Sean McDermott through – 2027 so that's another what four years four right years. That, and, i mean and yeah. they haven't well i mean what is yeah i know sean mcdermott's been in the playoffs like every year but like what have they what's he proved like at what point does sean mcdermott not have a job like are they just okay with making the playoffs every year with these teams they've had i, I think that's, that they chalk it up to it's they've gotten very unlucky i think is what they they chalk it up to getting your ass kicked at home by the yeah. Bengals I, in the yeah. divisional I mean, I round. But the other thing is I believe, and I could have read this wrong, but I believe McDermott's going to call defensive plays this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they basically scapegoated Leslie Frazier into the reason why they lost, even though their offense did nothing that game either. So no clue how that's just on Leslie Frazier. But uh, I guess regardless, I, I don't know. I think that Buffalo's at this point where they're just rolling with McDermott as long as Allen's happy with McDermott. I don't mm-hmm. think it has anything to do with anything else. Minus If Josh Allen's happy, they're going to be happy because that's how they're going to run their franchise until Allen is either gone or retires. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it was me, I would. I he wouldn't be there much longer if they if they can't at least make it to the Super Bowl in the next two years. I mean, you got to be thinking it. You got to find a different right. But I mean, you look at teams like you know the, when the Cowboys had Garrett, right? Like he got eight years to try to do it, and like they they had great rosters for like basically all eight years, and like McDermott easily should have been to a Super Bowl by now. Whether or not he wins one is you know another story but yeah i agree with you i don't know why he got extended maybe it was just not to worry about it but four more years of uh mediocrity in the playoffs probably isn't going to cut it yeah no i agree um but yeah you know like we mentioned training camps will be opening up in about a month so the nfl is right around the corner preseason starts you know second week of august or first week whatever it is so um you know we'll definitely um be talking a lot more about that and getting into the divisions um and i'm sure there'll be a lot more um player movement here as we get closer to um the season starting so definitely a lot to talk about there um is there anything else you wanted to touch on today no i mean i think the nba had a really interesting like you know draft and stuff like that i think that there's definitely things silver can do to make the draft better you know including like fixing the off-season schedule like when things can open up when people can sign etc like that i think the way that they need to follow the nfl format a little bit more um but yeah the only other thing i had to bring up was uh did you see that the angels won 25 to 1 yesterday yeah. against the rockies I did. Um, do you yeah. think it's more impressive that they scored 25 or more impressive that the rockies got one back in the eighth to, to avoid the shutout what, what do you think was the the bigger highlight I think the Rockies getting the one run was it and didn't the Angels have um like twenty three runs like in the fourth inning or something? Yeah. They so, scored I mean, the, thirteen in the third. The the Rockies I mean they finished strong, I guess you could say. I yeah, mean so compared to where they started. I'm just I'm just gonna go through the stats of the Rockies pitching for you real quick before we sign off. So um Anderson went two and uh two and two thirds, ten hits given up, nine runs, nine earned. One strikeout, three homers. The next guy finished off the inning, gave up six runs, six earned, uh, and let up one home run. So he basically, it was 15 nothing after three. One so third of the inning. In the third inning, there was 13 runs, and somehow the guy who came on who needed one out let, let up six more runs. So then That's the, pretty bad. Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. Then the next three innings, the, uh, the next pitcher gave up 11 hits, nine runs, nine earned, one home run. So it's not even like they were just hitting. I mean, five home runs is a lot, but out of 25 runs, it's not that many. So it's like they were just basically yeah. just smoking these guys. They must have been just throwing meatballs over and that. Then, I, mean, I don't. I you know I've never seen Carl Kaufman pitch, but he comes in three innings, only one earned run. I mean, that guy needs to be a starter for them at this point. I mean, like that's insane. But, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the ERA of uh, the guys that for the Rockies that gave up those runs. Um, also, the guy for the Angels, whole, you know, he's going to have, like, an insane run support now from one game. It's probably going to skew every <laughs> single stat the well, rest of the year. 
But you mentioned, you know, what's a bigger story, the Angels or the Rockies. I think we need to throw this in there. So the Angels scored 25 runs and Otani and Trout combined for two RBIs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, Otani is like, I think I saw a stat that he believes them in like every single stat, I think, including pitching and hitting right now. I mean, he, I, I mean he's an absolute monster. Um, MVP. I wish I had him on my fantasy team. Well, I mean, I, you could give it to him now. I think he's already has it wrapped up. But it is crazy that he, I mean, Trout had a homer. Okay, I mean, so there they, he had a solo they, homer. They pinch hit him at some point. Otani had seven at-bats in the game. One hit. Not yeah, great. Not a great average. I actually crushed his average, to be honest with you. But I did think that was good. But, yeah, no, I mean, the MLB is kind of interesting. The only other thing I was going to bring up as well was uh, the Red Sox are two games above 500, last place in their division, but would be winning the Central. Any Any thoughts on that? The AL East has just been a, I mean, it's been a fight. It's been a fight all year. And I think, I think the Reds and, I mean, but you look too. the Red Sox are only two and a half games behind the Yankees who were in third place and they've owned the Yankees. Well, this year. and it looks like judge is going to be out for a while. So if judge is right. out, the question for the Yankees, then become, do they fire sale to go for next season? Because they're not, you know what I mean? If, if he's not going to come back in time, like, do they really have a shot? Mm-hmm. Or do they stand pat? It's kind of a, a weird thing. I don't know. Super interesting. I just, you know, looking at the standings, um, you know, the Red Sox obviously are having a much better year than I think a lot of people anticipated. And they're still in last, even though they're above 500, um, which is pretty good. Yeah. But, I mean, the MLB season is kind of heating up. I think it's actually um, mostly positive, all the reception and everything has gotten. The only thing I'll say is, and one of our friends brought this up, is I think in-game experience you lose a little bit with the pitch clock. And that's not to say, like, it's nice to only have a two-hour-long game because you're, like, in and out of there. But, like, if you're paying enough money for seats, you don't want it just to be two hours. You want the full experience. So I don't know Mm -hmm. a little bit. But I think from a fan-watching perspective on TV, it's amazing. I think the pitch clock's, like, the best thing they've ever done. You you can probably only get, like, what, two beers in a a game now if you go with the the waiting in the line. To the Rangers Mariners game a few weeks ago, and it was a two nothing game. Both runs scored like in the seventh, and by it's game started at seven, and we were done by nine ten. I think yeah, uh, Joe was telling me he went to a Red Sox game this year. It was like under two hours. It was like an hour and forty five minutes Great. on a Sunday. You know, Got to go home and you know play some video games and go to bed. So yeah, I wasn't yeah. complaining. It was just kind of odd. But you it, know, yeah. I mean, I think you know, Walton's talk some MLB. Obviously, this next month is going to be pretty dry in terms of. Uh, sports stories but you know we'll start reviewing some things and stuff like that yeah maybe start breaking down the divisions a little early but don't want to go too early on that but For um sure. but yeah you know as always the music credit goes out to acdc and we'll catch you guys next time